Apple presents events at the Apple Store. We'd like to invite you to enjoy the trailer for love. There's two types of people in this world. Owners and renters. What you gonna do? I'm the man. Ah, you were scared. I knew it. Baltimore's a beautiful city, man. I'm about to get this restaurant business jumping off. Welcome home, man. Your mother loves you. She's just trying to work some stuff out. You gonna give me a ride to school today? You do all your homework? Yep. And I got you. That's supposed to be Jesus. Jesus ain't black. Mine is. Where you go? I gotta go to school. You and me today. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> first things first, we gotta get you fresh. We about to put you in some fine threads. A man over there watching us. Let him look. Every man needs to know how to drive. And move back, man. <laughs> Making a drop today. Handle this for me. I thought you was trying to be all businessman and stuff. Gotta trust me, what? I'm gonna take care of us. You are well dressed on the outside, Vincent. But what about the inside? Man, can you make this quick, y'all? <laughs> Did you think maybe you are not sent here to get the money? People I thought I trusted. I don't want to close my eyes. All he care about is money. You are clearly here for me. He ain't thinking about you. Can I trust you? I'm all you got. You can't let him see fit. Love you, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, film reporter Charles Thorpe, and this evening's special guests, Common, Sheldon Candice, and Michael Rainey Jr. Here we go, guys. Exciting stuff. Yes. Um, so you guys saw a trailer of the movie. Obviously, you haven't been having the chance to see it just yet, but it's a really fantastic movie, and uh, Sheldon's got a great story behind it and what uh, you know uh, inspired the whole story. And Sheldon, you know, how did this how did this uh, script come to you? What's up, everybody? I, uh, I I love New York with my whole heart, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something, and I just I gotta get it out of my system. New York City, can you dig it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for embracing that. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll be doing Eddie Murphy later. Anyway, uh, um, what are we talking about the movie? We're talking about the inspiration of the movie, man. The inspiration. Um, yeah, it's Love's a fictional story inspired by a true relationship I had with one of my uncles when I was growing up, when I was his age. And 
you know, me loving films and loving cinema, I basically wanted to take the genre of what's usually typically a, as they call, an urban crime drama, and I wanted to infuse it with heart, and I wanted to really tell uh, the bond of a young boy and his uncle, and what happens the moment in all of our lives when we're children and the people we look up to, we find out that they're flawed. You know, I think we all have those moments that happen to us in our lives, and that's really what, you know, at the heart of the film, that's what, it, what it's about. And, you know, it's always fascinating to hear from the conception, from the moment that you think of the story from how it actually, so how long ago did this process start? The scripting, the casting? It was a total of, uh, of eight years, and I'll never forget, he asked me a question. He, he said, when he said, Sheldon, so when did you move to L.A.? I said, well, Mike, I moved to L.A. in uh, 1999. And he was like, wow. He's like, I wasn't even born then. And, <laughs> and But for me, I thought that was really amazing. I mean, I think we all have hopes and aspirations and dreams of, of things that we want to do in our lives. But I, I have a big saying of, of give time time. And, you know, I always believed in the story and I always wanted it to happen. And I would get really down because I was having a rough life in L.A. But it's really interesting that, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. And clearly, he had to be born. <laughs> you know, it takes a special kid to make a special movie, so. In common, you know, you're reading this script, you're reading the tale of this uncle who bonds with a young child. I mean, so what, with his young nephew, um, so what, you know, attracted you to the script? What got you involved? You know, was Sheldon hustling you, or were you totally uh, into it from the get-go? Well, my agent, well, first of all, peace, y'all. How everybody doing? God bless. Um, grateful to be here. And, and I want to say, it like, my agent at the time told me that it was a good script. It was a script that he thought was really good, an independent film. And we had been looking for an independent film where I could do a, a character that had some depth. And he said, this character is really good for you. He said, it's, you know, it's, it's a character that comes from the street. But then, you know, I knew when I read the script that I could bring something and we could bring some depth to this human being and when i read the script i liked the story itself um i thought it was like man this is something real cool and i and i look for roles that i feel like i can show the diversity and the depth of who who i am as an actor and also show the depth of the human being that's being depicted in that in that film and i was blessed with the opportunity i was doing a speaking engagement in philadelphia or somewhere in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. And Sheldon came up and we had a meeting and we had a good talk. And I always like, when I talk to people, I, you know, I, we talk about movies, we talk about music, and I get a good gauge on where a person's, you know, taste may be. And taste is very important in creating art to me because taste is half the battle. If you don't have good taste, then you're gonna be making whack of stuff. That's just like part of, that's just the situation. So when he told me some of the things he was into, we shared that. He shared a, a movie that I wasn't familiar with. That always sparked the thought. It was a movie that he said he wanted this movie to be based on. What did you say, Michael? What's it called? The Bicycle Thief. The Bicycle Thief, which is a film that I wasn't aware of that, that Sheldon hit me up to and said, check it out. This is what I want love to be about. It's more of a character-driven thing. And that was, that was the beginning. That was the seed. I, I would also add to that too. Uh, that was 
uh, probably the most frightening meeting I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, because, you know, and I, and, you know, coming to him, I, you know, I can't show any of that. I have to mask it. And in essence, you know, directors have to be good actors. Um, and, you know, I go through in the middle of the night, two and a half hours from Baltimore to Philadelphia to meet someone who I've always looked up to. I mean, and even to this day, like, I'm a wannabe rapper. Like, I really think I can rap. <laughs> and it hurts my feelings when I try to rap to him, and he calls my whack. What do you call my raps? Super whack? Yeah, super whack, extra whack, whatever <laughs> whack, whatever adjective you want to put to whack. Yeah, well, film nerds, we taking over the hip-hop game, watch. Film nerds unite. Anyway, but no, but I, to be honest, it, you know, to be with, because I used to write my term papers to his music, and he was always my favorite rapper, you know, and to, to actually be there, and I always tell him I, one time when I was trying to make it, he was coming through LAX, and I saw him, he was, he was rolling through LAX, and I was just like, he just did Smoking Aces. And I was like, oh my goodness, like Common is an actor, you know, by seeing him in Smoking Aces. And I was just so geeked to see him, right? And I was like, yo, Common, what's up, man? And I was so happy he didn't clown me. He, was, he hit me with that, and I was like, all right, I can live my life, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyway, but that's that, so. That's great, and so you, you have Common now, you've got him attached to this script, things are starting to move along. The next step is obviously getting that kid that he has that bond with and allows him to kind of go to that more dramatic place. And, and so how did you come upon that little Michael Rainey here who's fantastic in the movie, you guys? You have to see it. Thank you. Um, I always say this being right here is not of this planet. He's like an alien. It's like, <laughs> he's like the real life men in black. You know, he's like, like it's a little thing inside of this person. Um, but to be honest with you, it was a godsend. And I, and I will say this, I haven't said this a whole lot. You know, me and Common, Rashid, we're very competitive people. And I've played basketball against him. He, he can play. He, most dudes from Chicago can play ball. But anyway, oh, we see, all right. <laughs> that was dope. All right. Um, but no, but anyway, to, to make this short, you know, he really pushed me to find, he was like Sheldon. Like, we're going to find this kid. And we got down to the wire about trying to find, you know, and then it basically, one of the producers, Sean Banks, knows a guy here in New York City. His name's Johnny Nunez. And Johnny's like a man with a camera, a photographer. And he says, oh, I know this kid. His name's Michael Rainey Jr. He lives in Staten Island. And sure enough, the moment I met Michael, you know, whenever you're speaking to anyone in general, but especially kids, you have to reach them on a personal level. Even when you talk to them, you should talk to them at their eye level. And I said, Michael, you know, what type of music do you listen to? And he looked at me, he's like, well, I really don't like any of the new school hip hop. I'm more of an old school hip hop head. And he quoted Lottie Dottie from Slick Rick, which is ridiculous because when I was his age in Baltimore growing up, I was actually attempting to break dance on cardboard to that very song. So. Yeah, and, and can I say that, like, Man, you know when you have something special, it's like a relationship. You you meet somebody and you know in your soul that that's something special. And like Sheldon, and we, we had had some some young guys who were really talented and great great actors, but I in, in my soul I didn't feel like we had the kid that God sent kid. And this movie is dependent on the kid point blank. Like, cause if you don't believe the relationship with with me. With my character and the kid, it's like, then the movie is not there. So through all the struggles, I knew it was somebody out there. 
And when Sheldon told me, man, I got this kid, he, he's cold. And then I saw like a little clip of, of Michael doing some work in this Italian film he did. And I was like, is this dude from Italy? Because he was that incredible in that film, speaking fluent Italian, that I was just like, man, I can't wait to meet him. I was like, I felt energized and like I knew we could do something at that point. So. And Michael, uh, do you want to talk about your first meeting with Sheldon and then your first uh, contact with Common? Well, <clears throat> when I first met Common, I was so excited because like, he's one of my favorite rappers. So when I met him, I was like, inside I was screaming like a little girl. <laughs> but inside I was calm. <laughs> You're always very calm. I'll yeah. say that about you. Yeah, I, I don't get excited a lot. <laughs> when I first met Sheldon, I, I knew I really wanted to get the part because he's like he's so cool, he's so nice. So yeah, I really wanted. To hey, come get on, the Mike! Part. Don't break me down in front of these people. We're in New York, son. <laughs> Gotta be hard, son. We, we actually have a clip. A great shout clip out to my it. moms. Shout out to your moms and your pops right, right there. there. And my, and my pops. Michael Rainey, the original one. And that dog right Shana there. Shauna Small and the dog in the he's Yankees chilling. hat. What's up with the Burberry print? <laughs> let's uh, let's see a clip of uh, of Michael in, in common action. We'll talk about that uh, in the car scene. In the driver's seat. What? Every man need to know how to drive. All right, put your seatbelt on. Move up, move up close to the wheel. Come on, man. Man, move back, man. You look like your grandma. There, put two hands right there. Oh, no, put one hand on top. Put it, move it up. Yeah, right there. All right. You seen your uncle driving like that? You know to put the hand up there. <laughs> Check this out. This is park. This is reverse. The end is neutral. That's drive. Let's go. Boy, what you doing, man? What, man? What are you doing? I'm gonna feel a little butt. You crashed my butt. I have to do it again. I'm sorry. Right. Smooth, smooth. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, go straight, go straight. Turn. Okay, Boy, you kind of natural with it. Man, you pretty good. That's a, it's such a great scene. It just comes out of nowhere, this really dramatic place of the film, and just has this levity to it and this uh, great bond between you guys. So when you're filming that, I mean, first of all, is there some, like, are you concerned with Michael behind the wheel? Is he really behind the wheel on that? Yeah. Oh, hey, that's Sigur Ross, by the way, for any Sigur Ross fans. Um, it, you know, when he came, well, first of all, Michael's super talented. After I had met him and I was like, oh, man, this is the kid, you know, I said, well, let me YouTube this kid. You know, I got and I go on. And he's got like his own YouTube channel, and he's he did this amazing thing where he broke down um, Karis is one, the bridge is over on like the classical piano, and and then he has these other clips of him, you know, playing things, and he's a talented artist, so he just picks up things. He's like a sponge, and the first thing we taught him, Shawnee, you remember, when he came to he came to Maryland, we put him in a car in a grocery store parking lot, and he learned he learned how to drive like in 15 minutes. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and coming, were, were you worried? Were you worried, Michael? <laughs> Shout out to Toby on the driving lessons. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I wasn't worried, man. I had confidence in my man Mike, and I, and I, I was like, 
he was doing it, man. I kind of like adventure anyway, so it was it was good. I felt like he could do it, I, and I knew he had his couple of lessons. And and as Sheldon said, he picks up things very quick. So we was rolling, man. We was rolling in the car. It was like it was amazing to see him. Like I mean, he left this movie being able to drive and do things that he probably had never <laughs> ever did yet. You know, I mean, which an eleven year old shouldn't do, but I mean. <laughs> Um, and you guys have such a great rapport. I mean, it's, you know, with the indie budget, uh, sometimes it's hard to get that sort of pre-production time, time to spend together. So when you first, what was the moment, like, when you first got on location? Did you guys hang out? Did you get right into it? Well, I mean, we, you know, one of the very first things that we did, and this is really important, we all got together and we prayed um, because that's a foundation that all of us are from, and, and we, we really believe that, and it was very important. Um, and then we did like just things like we'd hang out. Like they they would go to Lexington Market and they would crack crabs, and you know we would be in people's houses eating meals, and we were all a family, you know. Um, and that was super important. I'll say this, and I'll throw it off the common. You know, he had a great experience this being his first independent film because I imagine he's been on like these really huge Hollywood movies, and I think they do less material in a day. But with an, with this independent film, it's just like you just are nonstop, and his character Vincent is in every frame of the movie, and so is this uh, Michael Rainey Jr. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think it just it creates a good environment. Sometimes when you don't have as much like money and things to to create, you just have to be more creative. Everybody says that, but you do, and you also know like we're working with this this amount of time so you all kind of become more focused and and you don't try like you 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 do cr be creative and try different things as an artist but you don't play around with your time you appreciate the time and we did like the dinners we had i gotta say like sean banks was like a glue for a lot of what we were doing because he would take us through Baltimore. Sean is one of the producers on the film. He would take us through Baltimore and we would like go eat dinner at friends' houses or like he said, go to Lexington Market. But then he also would take us to meet the mayor. I was hanging out with Baltimore hustlers, just chilling and everything was good. And it was like that time was very valuable along with the time that we just shared. And it was like, it was just a natural, like, like what Michael said is Sheldon is a good-hearted, good-spirited person. So you want to work with someone like that. When you have a leader that starts off the film praying, you're like, we're going to be okay. You know, we're going to be all right. So, so that's it, throughout all the trials, because we had some trials, throughout all the trials, and it was like we knew that God was guiding it. That's great. That's great. And as great as uh, and excellent as their performances were, you have an even stronger supporting cast you built out this movie. Michael Kenneth Williams is fantastic. Danny Glover. I mean, how did you get these people connected, and how did you, you know, find that time to yeah, shoot with yeah, them? Yeah, 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 baby, Mr. Glover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't do that impersonation in front of him. He just, he just, he just stares at me. What's wrong with that boy? Um, no, I mean, I, I always say this, and I'll pass this on to everyone here who's creative and an artist. It's like, if you really write something from your heart and from your experience, and people, they'll be emotionally moved by that. Like, this is a fictional story, but it's, it's the true heart and essence of me being that young child in Baltimore. Um, and that's just what happened. I mean, I'm so thankful for Dennis Haysbert, Megan Good. Y'all watch Deception tonight, Megan Good's new TV show on NBC. Um, 
And yeah, and you just but so everyone just really I, I compared it to like Woodstock or if anyone ever seen this great concert series called Watt Stacks. It's just like everyone was showing up giving of themselves and you know no one was making any money. They were really moved by the story. And we have this uh, we have another clip coming up with uh Danny and these guys. I mean, so what is this, you know, clip, you know, they're they're cracking the crabs, a Baltimore tradition. So what are you trying to build in this scene? Yeah, sure. And I'll go quick and I'll let them speak about cracking crabs too. Um this scene for people from Baltimore, this is a special moment in a kid's life because it represents a rite of passage. Because in Baltimore, crabs are seasonal, they're very expensive, and kids don't get to sit at the big table with the adults to hear for their voice to be heard or for them to actually have a crab. You get, the, you get a small table and they throw you claws. So talk about cracking crabs, Mike. Well, Mr. Danny Glover, he ate all the crabs, so we couldn't even have any. When we took breaks, he was just right there at the table eating the crabs. But it was fun learning, because I like crabs. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was I was like, definitely we were eating a lot of crabs. And at a certain point, you know, we were like ready to film, but we had, we had eaten a lot of crabs. And I mean, it was good, like after a while. By the time I left Baltimore, I didn't want to see no more crabs, at point blank. But during the scenes, first and foremost, I was just grateful to be there with Danny Glover, who is, you know, obviously a legend in filmmaking and, and also a, a revolutionary or, or really an activist and stands up for so many things. So when I'm looking and thinking we're doing scenes with Danny Glover and Dennis Haysbert and, and then Lynette McKee and Michael K. Williams show up, I just feel grateful and honored. And these are people that obviously with the, with the budget we're working with, this is not for the money. This is about the art for them. They come and show up and give all they sold like for the art. And I seen Danny Glover sitting there doing off camera being, well, I don't want to tell y'all the movie, but he going through different things off camera. And I'm like, man, this man is committing to our film. This is like, this guy is lethal weapon, color purple, driven. Death at a funeral. Yeah, or death at a funeral. And uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, death at a funeral and all those great yeah. films that he's done. I mean, and he's yeah. there for us. So it was an honor to have people to commit like that. And that, and that says something for Sheldon. And, and the script he wrote, and just what we built together. Yeah, so uh, check out Cracking Crabs and Be More. Man, you're my older brother, and you still can't crack a crab without making all that mess. Here, you got to cover it. Then you can just go after, go after, go after it. You know what I'm saying? And the crab stays right there in front of you. I just don't hit the hip, you know, baby? Yeah. You know that, baby. <laughs> That's our life, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where you been, boy? Let me check your pockets. I'm walking around my house. I'm just teasing, man. Sit down. Young Brock, what's happening? <laughs> now the business. You ain't never cracked no crabs? Grandma always do it for me. Boy, you from all the morning. You don't know how to crack no crab. <laughs> Take off the legs first. You see some meat on one of them, you get it off. Eat that, huh? Yeah, it looked, it looked like a lot of fun. It was. 
How much of budget was set aside for crabs? Well, it w- well, once again, because we made the film for two dollars in a turkey sandwich, there it was only allocated in the art department's budget for one bushel of crabs. Well, Danny Glover in rehearsal ate a bushel of crabs. So, but the thing is, is you got Mr. Glover there, and hey, if he's happy, go get him some more crabs. (laughs) We can keep making a movie with Mr. Glover, you know? So, (laughs) yeah. That's great. And so, how does it feel to take this film? Obviously, you make it, you get common, you get this cast, you you bank it. Then you get into Sundance. Um, what was that moment like in, sh- in premiering it there and uh, now having it come out? Sundance, yeah. Oh, Sundance was crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, Sheldon was, I remember Sheldon called me and told me we, we, man, we got selected to Sundance and he was, he was salty with me because the first thing I said is we got to make this film incredible. You know, and he like, dude, we just got selected to Sundance. And I'm like, man, I just want to make sure that we do things at the highest level because that's just how I, that's just how I am. Like I don't like whether Sundance select us or whoever. We got to make sure we know that this is our most creative and our best effort. And I think he gave and we gave our best effort. And to be selected at Sundance was one of the best, you know, things that happened to to us and for me in this in, at this point in my acting career because it was like the first I had been to Sundance to to rock a show and stuff but I had never had a film that was a part of Sundance and to be starring in a film and and be a part of this movie and the experience we had at Sundance was so incredible it just was like one of those moments you remember in your life and be like man I'm just glad we had this opportunity and not many you know it's not many films that get selected to Sundance throughout the year so I mean Congratulations again, Sheldon. And, and I'm very grateful that we got selected to Sundance yeah. Film Festival. It was, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you, you're crazy enough to move out to L.A. and, and believe that you're going to make movies. And, you know, two years go by, four years, six years, eight years. Before you know it, it's been a decade. You ain't made no movie. And you get to the point where you can't even go home anymore for holidays. Um, because you you carry the shame of you told everybody that you were gonna make movies and this was gonna happen, um, and and you're like I know I'm not crazy like I, I know my entire life this is all that I've that I've ever wanted to aspire to do and all those movies that I watched over and over again and you know this has to be my life but what happens is is that you feel like the the one thing you love most begins to torment you. Um, and t- to be able to take the movie to Sundance, and for me, it's more about them and more about my family and how much they sacrificed all these years and put me through a really expensive film school. Listen, we, I drove 42 consecutive hours from North Carolina to LA to go to film school at SC um, with my parents, and my dad looks at the fee bill, and he's like, this is a typo. This ain't right, this is too much. And we had no idea SC was private. And so then my parents had to find a way to pay for film school. And so to come through that and actually make a film and then to take my entire family to Park City, Utah, I think we have a record for largest entourage at Sundance. I mean, we were, we were like 100 deep, you know. Um, and so, yeah. And you mentioned Sigo Ross in the last scene and uh, I mean in the driving scene. And obviously music's important to all you guys. Um, 
uh, as common as a producer. Maybe you guys could speak a little bit about the music and the selection process, and maybe maybe even the thought of you having your own track, that sort of thing, if that ever crossed the mind, or what kept you from doing that? Well, I, I usually when I do a film, um, I don't like doing music for the movie because I'm an actor, and I don't want people to start like saying, oh, well, relating it to Common. Like when you, when you look at that screen, I need you to see Vincent. So if I start bringing a song out, it may just take you out of it, it could. You know, and you know, I mean, I've had, I've have, I have had the opportunity to do some music for some films that I've been in, but I definitely didn't want my music in this film because, and I was glad, like, I got to salute Sheldon for choosing the music he chose because if you, this is a movie that takes place in an urban setting. It's in a, it's in a black area in Baltimore, but you don't really hear rap music throughout it, and you don't like, you don't feel like I'm watching just another urban film. It feels like a a movie, a film that can relate to any walk of life. And I think if we'd have put more more hip hop in it, it might have took it to make it feel somewhat urban. But even the way it's shot doesn't feel urban. So I really love the fact that Sheldon chose music. That some of it may have had a little like hip hop, you know, twang to it. But at the end of the day, it was Baltimore music. It was music like Cigarillos. Um, and music that just takes you different places. So I'm glad that that you know that he selected the music he selected. He I mean he was the man behind that, and I'm just you know grateful that he did that. And I'm I wasn't looking f to do a song for it, but even though we do have a song um, <laughs> that 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 we put out on the internet, it will be out soon with, with with Black Star who did a lot of music for for it. But it's like as a promotional item, not in the yeah. film. So and that's and that's Black Star from Baltimore, not Most Def and Talib. Um, which is just because a lot of people they think that it's most and Talib, but it's he's actually a, a very talented guy from Baltimore City, uh, works with MIA and Diplo, um, and he just his music in this film. I mean, we were just so fortunate to find him. You know, it really brought that texture and that quality. I'll say this about the film at Sundance, and and I've been so fortunate to show it all over the world. I, I got to go to Paris and London and Panama, and all throughout festivals in the U.S. The, the film truly transcends race and and I'm so happy because that's where all of us as a people in this country are going you know when we can you know elect Barack Obama when things can happen and I'm just very thankful for that you know I will say you know we actually we did record a song I was rapping on it Commons on the track Kanye West produced it but I shelved it my verses just wasn't hot enough so, yeah <laughs> shout out to good music yeah good man Good, good music, music wouldn't allow that to come out with <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's so many levels of performances. I mean, the clip we saw of Common and Michael before was a lot of levity, a lot of fun. Um, but there, there are definitely some darker scenes, some harder scenes where they have to really call up a lot of emotions. And, uh, I mean, I'd love to hear, Michael, first you and then maybe Common about, you know, what it took to well up that. I mean, the, you know, the tears, the feeling, the depth of that emotion. Talk about your process. Oh. We need to hear about that. I mean, they need to know because when they see the film it's and they see your performance, see, this was gonna be crazy. You don't watch impressive. the movie, and then you're gonna see. Remember this? You're like, is that the same kid? Because it's just he's just so like just Zen master. Just <laughs> yeah. Just how you, remember, I always ask you how how are you able to do that? Like that's how you got the. I can t I can set you up on how you got the role in the movie. You know, I told him I said, listen, you're gonna have to be emotionally present and vulnerable. 
you know, in order okay, to get Sheldon. this role. And <laughs> yeah. And I said, listen, but you have to come to Baltimore and do a chemistry read with Common. And I was like, can you do that? And he says, yeah, Sheldon, I can do that. And we're doing his audition. And it was just a brilliant moment because I was like, Michael, this is what we talked about. Uh, you have to get to an emotional place. And he looks at me and he says, just give me one minute, Sheldon. And I'm like, what is this kid going to find in one minute? And sure enough, they did the scene. I said, you know, when the words on the page end, stay in the moment. And they stayed in the moment. He just hit a switch. And Pat Moran, who's been casting in Baltimore for over 30 years, Barry Levinson, John Waters, The Corner, The Wire, she throws in the towel, stops the audition. She says never in 30 years has she seen a 10-year-old boy with so many emotional layers. So you want to talk about that? Well, to get in my emotional state, I just think about bad things that can happen to people I love. Yeah. That's pretty much what I do. It's raw. Yeah, um, for me it was like I when I when I when I work on a character, I'm just let that character be alive. And like the whole time I'm working, they calling me Vincent. Like like that's that's it. And like I know at times Michael and, and Sean are probably looking at me like, man, why ain't you tripping out like we are? And I'm focused on what I got to do. And not even just what I got to do, but I'm in that mode of Vincent. Like, if Vincent angry, Vincent angry right now. So, like, that's just how I was, that's how I was keeping it alive. And, and it was times where we had really emotional scenes where, where Michael definitely, you know, he, me and him kicking it. It's, it's common and Michael kicking it, but then, at a certain point in the scene with Vincent like going off, it kind of like I think it shook it shook Michael up a little bit because it's like that's tough. Somebody that you really like building a great relationship, you love, and and now he like ah like what you doing? And it's it's like I it's it, I know it was kind of trippy for him to feel that, but we had to go to those emotional places. And I gotta say like it's it's times where. It was five o'clock in the morning and, and Michael was waking up out of sleep and would go to the deepest place and just, you know, just be able to go there. And that's where that's where we say God is blessing us with that. He blessed him with a gift. So I have to tell the uh, the beard It's called Beard Gate. Um, and this is how focused he was playing the character. First of all, I would look at him and I could see truly like something. Else. You know, how you look in somebody's eyes and you can see something. And I could see something in his eyes, and I would say this to him while he was shooting. I know he was looking at me like, what is Sheldon talking about? But I could really see like this transformation. But Beardgate wasn't hilarious at the time. We can laugh about it now, but he was so into being Vincent. Like we had him immersed in Baltimore. He got the dialect, that Baltimore twang down. You know, he's walking like Vincent. He's hanging out with the guys that Vincent would actually hang out with. And he's going to the barber shop where Vincent gets his beard cut. And the barber, I think is a little nervous that he thinks he's cutting Common's hair. No, sir, you're cutting Vincent's hair, okay? That's Vincent's beard, and he, Vincent likes his beard a certain way. Well, this barber, poor guy, he cut v Vincent's beard down, like he trimmed it, and Vincent was so pissed off, he bolted out of the chair and did not even say bye to me. Like, he just left. I was like, wow, this dude is, he's full in. He's all in. I mean, because, you know, honestly, it's certain things that help you as you build a character, certain things. And, and, and point blank, uh, being in Baltimore, I could see, and it's, it seemed real probably like 
small to some people, but how specific they wore, wore their beards is like a thickness to it, a width. And the barber just took it, took it low. And I'm like, man, you know, you from Baltimore, you know how this supposed to go. But he just, I was salty. I ain't gonna lie, I was super salty. <laughs> and, um, it's cool though. Yeah, nah, yeah. I still look at the. He say, he say, I know, you know, we gotta learn forgiveness and let it go. Yeah. But I still look at my beard in there and be like, man, that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well let's, let's, let's see two things. We'll see the emotional places you guys are able to reach in these scenes, and then we'll also see that beard. <laughs> that, that let's check that out the next clip. Your grandmother, she can't take care of you. all you got. If you all I got, why you hit me and put me through all this today? I ain't got nobody either. People I thought I trusted, man, I can't trust. I don't even know what, I don't know what they, I don't even know what they were doing. Man. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know. Why'd you say that about my mother? I love your mother. I love you too, man. What? I love you, bro. I'm gonna take care of you. I just need this money, man. I need it. I need this money. That that was one of the toughest days of my life. That was, uh, yeah, that's, and it even goes further at some of these scenes. Like, you know, we have tears. So, like, are you guys doing, as far as, like, the wardrobe and everything like that, obviously you guys are pretty set right now, but who was, con who was kind of consulting on the wardrobe and getting that sort of look Hey, right? shout out to Amala. She's here. Where Woo! you at, Amala? Yeah, Eric is here too. What's up? That's y'all stand up. Nice. That's them right there. They they created the look for Vincent and Woody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting? I mean, and and Rosh, I think we can we can say we can talk about the. Um, it's funny. I, even to this day, I still look up to him. Hey, man, can we talk about that? No. Um, but it one thing that was really special. Um, I always felt was that it was it was Vincent basically Vincent he doesn't have any children he doesn't have a son and he was literally wanting to take his nephew and create a, a mirror of of him and one of those major things is which the major bonding moment in the film is when Vincent takes Woody to get his first suit and you know as as Raj his comment was getting into it he would you know really good actors ask questions. And to anyone who's a director or a first-timer, you better have an answer to that question. You know, and he's like, Sheldon, like, really? They, they wearing suits? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Why are they wearing suits? And I was like, you know, because it's a special moment. That's the bond for these two characters. And it's, 
I'm so thankful to them. Like they found the suits and, you know, that was a, a serious thing that happened, but we found it. And, you know, it's that moment you'll see in the film. It's a great Beatles Abbey Road shot where it's the boy following in, you know, his uncle's footsteps, which is the movie poster. Yeah, that was, that was a great scene. I think uh, now we're going to go to some audience uh, questions. If anybody has anything to ask. Um, hello, my name is Andre, by the way, guys. Um, as far as producing this film, how long did it take for Michael to get in this emotional state? Because he seems very, like, calm now. But it seems as if, like, in the film, like, he just went to another, another world. Yeah, he went to another realm, yeah. another dimension. But you, you tell, I mean, I can answer just very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either, either or. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he gets there very quickly. It's quite fascinating. Two minutes. <laughs> oh, I mean, and I can now's the time to plug, you know, Michael just did his third movie, which is a Lee Daniels film called The Butler with Forrest Whitaker, Oprah Winfrey, and Lee Daniels gave him the nickname Cuba what? Cuba Gooden Jr. The one-shot wonder, because you'll see in the film, I actually heard, hopefully Michael makes the trailer, but I actually heard that Lee said that Michael can get to a place in one shot. One shot, so. As a character, how can you relate to it? How do you relate to Vincent being the character inside the movie Love? Well, how you doing? You good? I'm fine, yeah, thank good. you. Well, I, I relate to Vincent because Vincent is a person that has a dream and wants to be the man in his family and take care of his family and being a, a good example for a young member of his family, his nephew. And I mean, I relate to a person that got a dream. Anybody that has a dream to be something and be something greater than maybe what they have come from, I relate to it. And it was very important for me to, to when, I, when I take on this character or a character of this nature, to show this, like, this person, a human. Like, so you're not just looking at somebody that's like, oh, man, it's an ex-convict. He's just snapping on Shorty. He's just trying to get his. You, you see a human being that, that, that may be within you, that wants to achieve something for themselves and their family, wants to be with his girl, like his girl that he, once he got out of jail. It's like a lot of things is driving him, and a lot of those things are good things that, that each one of us want, like we want something nice. We just want to live good, healthy, and have good people around us. And that's really what Vincent wanted. It wasn't like he was like, man, I'm about to go. As soon as he got out back to the deck, he wasn't like, yo, I'm going back to the deck. Give me that work, and I'm hitting it. I'm going. He was like, yo, I got this business idea. I got this dream. And I think it's um, important no matter whatever character that, that anybody that's an actor or any even, even when we create an art, that we allow people to relate to the to the art and allow people to see the humanity in it. Because we all got good and bad in us. We all like mess up. We all fear. We all feel strong at times, and we all love. And I think you know it's important that this this character Vincent was shown the full dimensions of a human being, and I did my best to do that. Hello, as a director, I know we, well, you sometimes have a vision of how you want the film to <clears throat> develop, and you have a clear image of what you're trying to convey to the audience. How is the vision that you started with different from the creation that sort of started once you started shooting the film, all of the different things that sort of happened along the way to maybe change that vision, or is, did it stay the same? It, you know, 
we, I guess a few months back, we looked at how many drafts we had done over a three-year period, and we, we had we counted forty-seven drafts. Um, and but that I mean, s small changes, kind of. But for the most part, it's always been the same story. It was a much bigger movie. We were trying to make it as a as a bigger film, and then there comes a point when you know you're making it as an independent film, and you just have to really be streamlined and make sure you don't lose the essence of what the story is. Um, but you know, it's it, only major changes that we did. We did a lot of rewriting while we were shooting up the shooting, making sure we were getting the authentic Baltimore voices. And we worked really, really hard on that and making, you know, the voices natural as possible. Um, and yeah, so. What's up, Common? Peace, what's up, man? Chilling, chilling. Um, I wanted to know, what do you find more difficult to complete, an album or a film job? That's a good, that's a good question. I would, I would say most likely an album, um, usually because an album, I have, in my experiences of what I've done with albums, I, I usually take months and months to, to record an album. And it's like, you gotta gather this producer and then sometimes the producer may be like, okay, I'm, I'm doing a couple of beats and then I'm gone for a second. And then they go somewhere and you write on your songs and then you have to build the next layer and the next layer. And you know, with me being a solo artist, it's usually me like driving the, the production of the album, the, like the creation of it. Because once that producer goes, even if they care about it and they the big producer, they still have other projects they're doing. But, but being an being a actor, at that point, you you more of a team player in a way that, like, once you contribute what you contribute, then you know it's up to the director and the editors to do what they do. But like I always say, being a solo artist is like being a director in many ways because you have to bring together all these pieces and make sure the pieces are right, and you got to see the project all the way through. I mean, both of them are fun. I, I mean, I love making music that's like what i started i'm rooted in that and i'm always you know continue to make music as god wills but i mean i've been having a lot of fun and being very creative and learning a lot as an actor too so i mean i only been on one film that maybe shot f for like f five months and i wasn't the lead on it so it didn't take as much time yeah i'm, I'm starting to learn as as i see cats out there putting out a mixtape in two weeks that i need to record faster <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask a quick follow-up as, are you looking at other film projects yet or is there any scripts that you're kind of sort of connected to? Yeah, I'm, well one film that I'm in is coming out later, um, but since we plug in Love, Love is coming out January 18th, make sure y'all go see that at yeah, AMC please. Theaters. Yes, but, please. But I have um, a film that, that I'm a part of called Now You See Me, and it's starring Jesse Eisenberg and Mark Ruffalo and, and Michael Caine and, and Morgan Freeman. And yeah, and Isla Fisher, it's a real cool film. That that'll be out. But I'm also like right now looking at a project that I may be doing. You know, until you get it in, until you get it locked down, you don't like talking about it. So that's what that's where I am with it right now. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to some new projects. Hi, this is for all three of you. Um, hi, Carmen, I love you. Uh, love. <laughs> um, I 
I meant you guys mentioned a lot, especially you, Sheldon. You were mentioning how there were times when um, you didn't want to return home because of the shame, and also talking about the budget, how you didn't have a lot of money as far as the movie. Was there any a time where during the filming there was a point where you were like, I don't know if I can do this? What did you fall back on to make sure that you followed through? Because I know as a young person, sometimes I don't know if anybody can relate, but sometimes it's hard to follow through on that dream because well, it's so hard. I always repeat within myself, uh, "Greater is He." And, and, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Um, and I, I really believe that, you know, um, success isn't the destination, it's the journey. And the moment that in our lives that we really understand that, you'll, you'll really be able to roll through, you know. Um, and in, in terms of the film, I just, you know, like I said, I struggled with my faith for many years. It was like, I mean, why, 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 why am I not getting my opportunity? And there were moments in this film where I just truly could see that there was something of a higher power, of a greater being at work. It, it just wasn't me. It really wasn't. So, I like your Afro puff too. That's dope. Nice. Very nice. There's also a crazy yeah. story I think with a supply truck over a loop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, uh, I mean, there was one night where it was the one night we had Michael Kenneth Williams. I mean, one of the caveats that I have to say is you get these wonderful actors, but you only have a short amount of time with them. I mean, you got to get them and you got to shoot. So the minute you see them, the, the clock is ticking. And this one night, it was Michael K. Williams. It was one of their most important scenes. It is their most important scene. Um, and the grip and electric truck, it, was driven under a freeway bypass and the entire top of the truck got ripped back like a sardine can. And like everyone on set is taking pictures of it and posing with it and like, and me as the director, I'm like, we're dead. Like there's the, the movie, we're totally shot. And you know, and then the DP is, he's tweaking and he's trying to get the lighting right. And I can just see Michael Kenneth Williams, like he's just fading. It's now four o'clock in the morning. He's gotta be on a train back to New York to shoot Boardwalk Empire. And I'm like, dude, listen, you better start filming something right now or we're not gonna get it. So, and that's just, and I'll pass that on to everybody. You know, sometimes you have all these great plans and ideas, you know, shot list and all these storyboards, but there ha you have to be processing in your mind, how can I still tell the story with the least amount of shots? And sometimes you can have some of the greatest moments that happen in films in just a single shot, one take, so. I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, one more round of applause yeah. for thank the you casting. Yeah. We appreciate love, you all coming yes. through. And go see it in yes. January. Thank you, Apple. Thank you, Thanks 42 Apple, West. Suzanne. Thank you, NPRM. <laughs> thank you. Thank Indomia. you to my publicist. Thank you to my mama. <laughs> Thank you, Sean Small. Thank you, Sean Small. All right.